Welcome to Family Features, a podcast for anyone who wants to experience healthy relationships within their family. This is Dr. Corey Gilbert, and I'm honored to come alongside you to encourage, educate, and equip you as we focus on the different relationships that make us family. Let's get started and focus on today's feature. Hey there, this is Dr. Corey Gilbert, and today I want to give you an overview of some principles in marriage counseling. This is from H. Norman Wright um, in his book called Marriage Counseling. It's a really incredible uh, resource uh, for if you're someone who's a practitioner. Um, and this is some of the stuff that I share and, and kind of walk through in my uh, counseling courses at the undergraduate level um, at the university that I teach at. Um, so one of the questions we need to ask is what happens to marriages? Like what's What's the problem going on that leads to um, so many people that struggle? Now, before we even enter that, one of the things I want to uh, kind of a caveat is we tend to assume that 50% of marriages fail uh, because we've been told that and because a lot of the, the stats that have just been shared for years say that, and that's not true. There's a lot more hope for healthy marriages. Um, but when marriages are struggling, that's a real problem, and people tend to get really stuck um, so here are some of the key um, reasons that a lot of couples really get stuck and get, get stru- are struggling. Unfulfilled expectations that they um, experience after the honeymoon, kind of now there's this honeymoon period and it was great and now things have changed because we've settled in and it's back to really expectations. Unsatisfactory um, marital behavioral patterns. So here's what I expected, <laughs> back to expectations again, and here's what is the reality of how we behave with each other or how I'm treated or things that we're going to do together that we don't do together. Uh, and the marital satisfaction fluctuates during the family life cycle. That's huge. You're, it's different when it's husband and wife, and then it's different when you add a first child, and then it changes when you add a second. Or if you're getting married and you're all of a sudden a step-parent, um, that's going to be a completely different uh, ball game and uh, relationship. And if you're blending a family and the nuances and struggles and stresses of that and the roles that we play. It's interesting to me that years ago, as I went to conferences, there were tons of ministries to the blended family. And I've noticed that that's, that's changed. It's gone down. There's not as, as many. Yet the needs are very different in that kind of family um, than a family that's um, husband, wife, and, and their, it's their children. Um, and the needs... The basic answer to that is your role as a parent and your role in your marriage is very different. Um, it's a different set of rules of how you parent someone else's child when you're not the biological parent. Because they will play that, you're not my parent card. Um, and then the absolute importance of the executive team, the mom and dad being a team um, and being of one mind in a sense. So getting on the same page and staying on that is even more critical in a blended family so that there's some mitigating of some of those struggles. Now here's a, I'm going to show you this list. Um, so what do we do? And think about these, these issues. We have, we need to have compassion. We need to grant acceptance, give people worth, use discernment, say the right words, emphasize right behavior, have people accept responsibility, give hope, give encouragement, Emphasize peace of mind, give inspiration, reshape people's thinking, emphasize teaching, express authority, admonish, and confront. Now here's one of the coolest things that when I saw this, it just kind of really touched me and it made me 
um, even more encouraged to go into this field and to work in this field and do what I've done for over 20 years now in counseling. So look at this list and then look at this next list. And the question is, what are the characteristics of Jesus in his approach to counseling? How did he relate to people where they were at, whether it was walking along the road or sitting um, somewhere or working? How did he relate? Well, look at this list. See the similarity? <laughs> this, this is what he did. He had compassion. He granted acceptance. He gave people worth. He used discernment. He said the right words, and boy, um, he, he knew he could. Emphasize right behavior. He didn't accept wrong behavior. He emphasized the right behavior. Have people accept responsibility. That's imperative. He gave hope. He gave encouragement. Emphasized peace of mind. Gave inspiration. He helped reshape people's thinking, which is a big one. He emphasized teaching, expressed authority, and admonished and confronted. This is what we need to do. This is what we all need to do. This is how we need to approach our spouses, our kids, um, those we work with, maybe our subordinates at work or, or those we work with. Um, but this, for me personally, really grabbed me as to um, who should I be? Well, these things. How should I relate to my clients or anyone that I work with or do, do life with like this? Um, so the factors in effectiveness, and I, this is another list, I'm gonna, you'll see it. Um, obedient to God, live a life of faith, powerful prayer life, speak with authority, personally involved, and have the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, what are the factors in the effectiveness of Jesus' ministry? These same things. He was obedient to God, he lived a life of faith, powerful prayer life, spoke with authority, personally involved, and had the power of the Holy Spirit. Are you these things? Are you these things in the way you approach um, loving and ministering to your husband or to your wife, um, to your children, and again, to those you work with and in all that you do? Um, yes, the context that I come from is that of a counselor, as a professor, as an um, author, as a speaker, and those are professionally, but as a dad, as a husband for me, um, am I doing these things? Am I obedient to God? Am I living a life of faith? How's my prayer life? Do, can I speak with authority? And sometimes we misinterpret that with volume or with um, force, if you will. And personally involved, it's really hard to speak into people's lives if I'm not personally involved. And do I have the power of the Holy Spirit? Am I trusting? Am I relying on? Am I leaning on the Holy Spirit? So here are some biblical principles of counseling. Rely upon the power and wisdom of God. Listen. Know when to speak and when to be quiet. Show genuine interest and love. Time it right. This is a big one. We need to be careful about just saying what's true and be able to be discerning as to when and how and, and be careful with that. Keep confidences. Say the right words in the right manner. That's a tough one. Give proper advice, and that's dangerous because we're supposed to not give advice, but yet we are in the way that we interact. We're giving ideas and brainstorming, and so being careful as to what we're suggesting or what we're even implying. Edify and help, encourage, empathize, confront, be adaptable, be honest, be accepting. Can you be wrong? Can you accept that responsibility of, I was wrong in that, or my, my assumptions there were incorrect? Um, 
the other big factor in figuring out counseling services or counseling help or coaching or someone to walk alongside me, mentoring someone from church, um, are the, here are some factors. The time frame. How long is this going to be? And a lot of us think, oh, I can't go into counseling because it's going to be forever. It's years of therapy. It does not have to be. Personally, I don't like that. I don't do that. Uh, the goal is to get in and get out. Let's get you on uh, a better path. Another way that I tend to say this for couples is um, as long as you're distracted, focused on yourself, there's no way you can focus on other people around you. And you're actually kind of worthless for the gospel. It's harsh, but it's true. If Satan can keep us distracted and self-centered, we can't see that our neighbor needs help, that our brother needs help, that our sister needs help, that this person over here could just use a conversation because we can't see those things because we're so focused on ourselves. So the time frame as to how, as to how long is a big one. Um, so asking the person that you might be asking for help um, from, well, what does that look like for you? Um, the second one is insufficient training. Now, if you're asking for some pretty big help from someone who has very little training, you're going to, in a sense, get what you pay for. So careful with that. Um, so being able to lower your expectations with certain people and then raise them depending on their training. This is important. Uh, one of the statements I tell my students about uh, in premarital is they're all going to have sexual issues in marriage. 100% of couples are going to have issues. Um, most don't really need to lead to therapy or counseling or even a consult. But when they do, find someone that doesn't ask details of your sex life. Find someone that actually knows what they're doing because of their training so they can actually get in through um, very kind of 30,000 foot view questions to help you because this is private and keep it private. Be careful with that. And so if someone asks those detailed questions, run. That you don't, they don't need to know that information. I don't need to know those things and have those pictures in my head. Um, and so that's an important one. Uh, sometimes it's just the wrong match. You go see a, a person for some help, a pastor, a counselor, you, know, you hire a coach, and you just don't click, and that's okay. I actually have it in my paperwork where it says if we're not a right fit, please don't say you tried counseling. <laughs> go find someone that you're the right fit with. Because when you find that person that you're the right fit with, man, a lot of great work can happen um, and a lot of great change. And there's four kinds of sessions. There's together, separate, group, or a combination of these. Um, different people will do different things. I love to go in home and sit in your home and work um, with you as a whole family, if that's available, or the couple. Um, and then one-on-ones in my office is great. It's, I don't tend to go in home. I don't go in home if it's obviously just a wife, um, unless he's there in the house. Um, but I tend to, that's what I do. And everyone's got a different way of the way that they do um, counseling. And what are your expectations with this? Um, sometimes it's a group setting. So you're doing it more in a, a group, like multiple couples. Um, but others do it different. And then there's the one, this last one of individual counseling. Sometimes we just need a tweak. We need some help. We need some kick in the pants. We need something or we're dealing with our own, maybe some past stuff. But even what I found with some of the past trauma stuff, it's been so powerful to work with the couple as a whole in dealing with the past, if they're willing, because it gets them, they have an, an ally who's heard now what I've said and what we've kind of put together and then they can go home and they can implement together versus that one person going to see me 
going home and the other person hasn't really, they're not clued in. And so they don't know what's, what's next or what they should do. And so they tend to feel either isolated or quite helpless, um, or even they're, they make it harder for that person to grow. So these are some really helpful um, things to think about if you're looking for counseling or coaching services or mentoring. So here's a statement that's really powerful from H. Norman Wright. Remember, none of us will help every couple who comes to us. It would be dangerous to use statistics of how many couples we've helped who don't divorce as a criteria for counseling success. So I do this a lot. I get very critical when I have couples I work with who decide to divorce. I feel like a miserable failure because I take it very personally um, when they go down that road. Yet I also don't know what God's doing in their life, and I don't understand some of the nuances of of what else is happening, and I don't see divorce as an option. Yet at the same time, I also know God works through those difficult seasons and those difficult times and decisions that maybe later I end up regretting but seem like the best at the time. Or later I realize it was exactly what I needed to do. That's a difficult one for me theologically as well as um, just in the moment working with someone. So divorce, is it an option? My, my opinion is no. Um, is is uh, protecting yourself from harm? Absolutely. So don't, don't hear me say that, that you stay um, when there's potential harm. That's not the case. But it worries me that we just always jump to, okay, fine, I'm done, and we leave. And here's an interesting statement. Couples with severe problems usually require more sessions and usually improve less than couples with less severe difficulties. But what is a severe difficulty? What's crazy is in my experience, I've had more success with couples who've had affairs than I've had at times with couples who just had serious personality differences and just couldn't seem to let go of these little things. So sometimes it's the bigger things that are small because I can just choose to forgive and, and trek forward. And it's these little day-to-day things that just nick away. And I think really a lot of it comes back to expectations, but even just me not letting go, me not being willing to, you're different than I am, and and, and that's okay, and you're going to see the world different, and I'm going to coexist with you and live with you and play with you and do life with you, and we're going to work together as a team versus you have to be like me, you have to think like me, you have to do what I say. That gets toxic. So that environment's really, really important. Um, so I hope this is helpful for you to think through. Maybe if you're looking for services or, or help, or if you're someone who actually is um, in that field and you're, you're working with people, that you think through your role. Are you someone that's living out and trying to love people and encourage as Jesus would? Um, and what are some areas that you have to grow in, to work in, um, that God's kind of you know, shaping you? And I would say that never ends. We're always in that process. So if you can't think of any, it's time to stop and, and um, kind of assess yourself and where do you need some help as a husband or wife or in your, in your marriage or as a parent or um, in your helping skills, if you will. So God bless you, your family, and may you have a healthy marriage. Hey, this is Dr. Corey Gilbert, and I would actually love to dig deeper and actually see how I can serve you better. One of the ways we can do that is if you join my free Facebook group. So you go to facebook.com slash groups slash The Healthy Marriage. 
um, join there and it's free and we actually can get into further dialogue and you actually will be able to see all these videos and access all this stuff kind of in one place. Um, and I'd love to be able to talk with you further to better serve your family so you can build a healthy marriage that you're proud of. Bless you and your marriage. Thank you for tuning in to the Family Features Podcast. It has been an honor to serve. Find out more about Dr. Gilbert and his resources for you and your family's growth and success at HealingLives.com. And if you think you could use some support along the way, be sure to book that call at BookDrG.com. And one more thing, if you found this helpful, please share this podcast with others so that we can change the world together.